Matt Whitaker, former U.S. Acting Attorney General. This is such a great conversation about America, our future, what's going to save our republic. We have a great football player. Matt Whitaker is here. Matt. They tried to bury me. They didn't realize I was a C. Former Acting U.S. Attorney General. Under President Trump. I'm going to be an unwavering supporter of law enforcement. Welcome to Liberty and Justice with your host, Matt Whitaker. Welcome to CPAC Now. I'm your host, Matt Whitaker. Uh, glad you can join us. We're here live at CPAC, and I have the great honor of somebody that um, came on the scene, at least on my radar, about a year, two years ago mm. now, and is a total rock star in the Republican conservative movement. Lieutenant Governor from Virginia, Winsome Sears. Yeah, well, I don't know about um, rock star and all that. How would you describe yourself? I'm just a regular person who yeah. cared. You know, I was actually elected 20 years, 22 years ago for the House seat in yeah. uh, the state level. And then I left. You know, we had some issues and we had to take care of those with our family. Yeah. But I saw how things were going and I figured that somebody had to jump in. Yeah and be a part of a movement to save education because education saved my family out of poverty when my dad came to America with only a dollar seventy-five yeah. and I figured education would save everybody and the messenger is important and if I am the person who can speak to a certain demographic yeah. immigrants women uh, minorities yeah. then let me be it so that's yeah. why I came back and that is uh, it's such a good point and you know a lot of the important work of educating our children is being done in the states, yes, as it should be. Mm -hmm. And in my home state of Iowa, for example, they just passed a, a very broad uh, a school choice bill. Kim Reynolds, our great governor, yes, uh, led that charge. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think it's so important. And I, and, I, and you're right; it is the ticket out uh, to the next to the next level. You, you know, the slaves in the fields they wanted three things: number one, of course, their freedom; number two, they wanted their families reunited. And number three, they wanted an education because with an education, you could write your own ticket, right. literally. And so that's why the master didn't want them to learn to read. So how is it now that here we are, children are in failing schools and we're saying just give them more money? No, there are black parents, Latino parents, Asian parents, everybody saying we want the opportunity to make that decision. That was what the Brown versus Board of Ed fight was about. This is the new fight. Yeah. It's the same fight. And you're leading that. You're leading that fight. You and, and Governor Youngkin are yes. doing such a great job in Virginia. You know. Um, I and think by the I, way, this is not to kill public schools because it's both. You can right. do public or private. It's either yeah. and or whatever you want as the yeah. parent. And one of the pushbacks we're hearing is that well, this will be a program for rich kids, folks. Do you think rich parents are waiting on a government program yeah. to decide where to send their children to school? Yeah. No, they've already made that decision. Well, and you know, what I saw up until this, uh, this opportunity for a lot of parents uh, to get more control of their children's education is you, where possible, we saw in Iowa and probably saw it in Virginia, a lot of homeschooling. Yes. A lot of people just saying, I don't want anything to do with this agenda, yeah. with these ideas, with this indoctrination of our kids. And the uh, largest segment growing of homeschoolers are black parents. Yeah. Black parents are jumping to say, it's not happening in the public yeah. schools. The school to prison pipeline has already started. We gotta, we gotta get rid of that. Yeah. So. You know, it's coming. It's just a matter of time. Well, there's so many things we could talk about. You know, I'm a 
big advocate for, in the, where appropriate, criminal justice reform. I think we need to use data-driven solutions. Yes. You know, when I was at the Department of Justice for over seven and a half years, both as a U.S. attorney in Des Moines, Iowa, and then ultimately uh, acting attorney general, uh, what I knew is that there were for sure two ways to reduce recidivism. Mm -hmm. It was uh, drug treatment, in-house drug treatment, what's called the RDAP in the federal system, mm -hmm. and skills and, and, and training and education and giving people you know, even apprenticeships and opportunities yes. within the prison industries to get a skill. And I think, um, you know, that's, we should do that before we send people to prison though. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could work on drug treatment and education and, and vocational training without having to send them to prison first. In Virginia's prisons, you know, we have opportunities where we can stop the recidivism rate uh, so that they can go home and be the mommies and daddies that their children need them to be and contributors to society. So we've got, we have education courses, six different types in some of our prisons. And in fact, uh, some, we've, we've heard of cases where the prisoner has asked the judge for more time so that they can be sent to educational prisons so that they will leave with a skill. We're talking about carpentry, welding, uh, AutoCAD, yep. you name it. This shouldn't have to happen because people are, are, are doing some of these awful things, crime. Why? Because they don't have the skill. They don't have the good education. They left school because they felt there was nothing there for them. Yeah. They didn't see a future in it. So if we can try to stop that, and I did prison ministry, men's prison ministry for two years, so nobody can say, yeah. well, she hates the poor and she hates, and right. no, this is not about that. This is about, again, education. We'll, we'll just change all boats, yeah. lift all boats. Yeah, so I, I, as, I, as I've walked around the conference today, and I've just met so many of our fellow patriots you know, from yeah. all over the country, um, and in fact, I just had somebody come up to me and tell me they live across the street from my parents. Oh, <laughs> in my hometown of Ankeny, small Iowa. World. Yeah, no, it's very small. I was like, well, are they being are they you know being calm and not like causing you know ruining the yeah. neighborhood? But uh, my parents have lived there since the '70s. But anyway, um, you know, one of the issues is 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 immigration and what's happening on our southern border. And mm. and I think tell that to the president because I, he doesn't see anything. Yeah, wrong. how how is how are the Biden border policies affecting places like Virginia? Well, you know, fentanyl is a problem. In Virginia, if you look at a graph, the traditional graph, there are three types of a natural deaths, the three highest types of a natural deaths. Number one, motor vehicle accidents. This is the line. Yeah. Number two, guns. You know what? This is the line. Number three, drugs, fentanyl. This is the line. Fentanyl is killing more of us than drugs and guns combined. Nobody's talking yeah. about that. And you know it's coming from the southern yeah. border. But you know what we found? That until the Democrat policies affect Democrat politicians and their families, nothing changes. Yeah. And it's not hitting them yet, but it's coming to them some way or fashion. It it's coming. And you know, we're seeing, um, we're seeing 100,000 overdose deaths now in America. And that number has, to your point, just been trending up and up and up. And that is more, you know, that, that is uh, a, one of the top causes of death, especially for young people, uh, young adults. And I just, it's so, it's so fixable. Um, it's fixable, yeah. but you know, nobody cares. Right. And, and that's the problem. When, when you feel as a nation that the leaders that you've elected don't come see about you, okay. don't come see what's happening. 
You see, for example, what's happening in East Palestine, and the president doesn't go there. Even if he can't do anything, just, just him being there and hugging some necks and saying, I'm with you. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to figure out why this happened. In the meantime, we've got to get some sort of compensation for you so you, you're not in these communities. But nobody comes. Nobody yeah. comes to see about us, and that's why folks have to vote differently. Right, right. No, and they do, and they need to understand that these policies uh, at a national level are affecting their lives at a local level. Mm -hmm. and. And, and I, I just, you know, how, so you and Governor Youngkin have been in office for a couple of years, years now. now. Yes. And, you know, how the policies that you ran on um, are being implemented. And I know that I think the legislature is. is it's been hard. Yeah, it's been a slog been, from everything I've read. Our state Senate is still democratically controlled. And every yep. now and then I'll get an opportunity to break a tie vote. For example, can you believe that we were arguing that the Senate Democrats were against stopping the Chinese army, the government, from buying all that agricultural land that surrounds our military bases. Yeah. What about that? Do you not exactly. understand? How is that not a 90% issue, right? It, it, it boggles my mind. I have yeah. no words. I'm sitting in the Senate listening to that kind of yeah. nonsense argument. And then TikTok. I had to break the tie to say, no TikTok will be placed on government computers, yeah. government whatever. I mean, what, what, I, where I, is your brain? Yeah, I, I, I can't understand it either. But, so, you know, these, these threats, um, especially from the Chinese, are real. Yes. Uh, and if we don't get a hold of these it's issues. It's a national security issue. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, Lieutenant Governor Winsom Sears, thank you so much for joining us on CPAC Now. It's, it's been a be here. pleasure to meet you and get to know you. Yeah. And I, I wish nothing uh, but the best of luck for you. And, thank you. You know, someday in the future, if you're thinking of national aspirations, you're always welcome to come to well, Iowa. You know I can't be president, so <laughs> you know one person who's not running for president. Well, you can always come to <laughs> Iowa, though. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, thank you for being joining us on CPAC Now. I'm Matt Whitaker. Tune in next time.